The Bucks split a weekend set with a loss to the Lakers and then a win over the Charlotte Hornets, but Giannis and friends didn't play in the second game. Fans get fired up about players missing games, and we've got uh, local Sacramento resident uh, Mitchell Maurer here to uh, run us through the challenges of only getting to see the Bucks play once live uh, in a season. We also want to talk about Brook Lopez. His minutes are way up. He hasn't missed a game. This is a little bit of a surprise, but should we be concerned? Let's get into it. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. My name is Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my stuff over at ESPN. And for the first time in a long time, Mitchell Maurer, uh, co-editing manager of Brew Hoop. Is that what we roll with this time, Mitchell? You've got, uh, all I know is it's a very important title, but uh, you haven't been on this podcast for a long time and we uh, we talk most days, but it's nice to have you back on the podcast. I'm happy to be here. I appreciate the invitation. All right. Well, like Mitchell, we thank everyone else as well for making Locked On Bucks their first watch or first listen of every single day, uh, particularly on YouTube. I did another live podcast on the weekend. Uh, people seem to be into them they get pretty fired up in the comments and ultimately it gives me ideas for what we want to talk about on the show and i do know there was a lot of fans that were fired up about the fact that Giannis drew and chris didn't play in this back-to-back game in charlotte mitchell we, we may as well just start there do you have any strong opinions or emotions about the idea of basically all of us going into these games and these back-to-backs and saying probably one of these games the stars aren't going to play and that just being the norm in 2022-23? I would have strong feelings if they weren't resting guys on back-to-backs here in de- early December in the NBA mm. season. Because everything about what the Bucks are doing right now is predicated on ensuring po- success, or at least the opportunity for success in the postseason. You don't win games in April, May, and June by going all out in December. Not when you're a team on the level of the Bucks are. Like, between Giannis and Chris, who just returned to action on Friday, and Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, among everybody else, like, this team knows what they are and knows what they do. They don't necessarily, at the risk of sounding disrespectful, they don't need a Saturday night game on the second night of a back-to-back against the Charlotte Hornets, who are in a rough stretch of the, on their own there's nothing to be gained there. So if they can just take one to get some rest because they're not going to be able to get it later. I mean, maybe short term, it's unfortunate that we don't get to see them play, but long term, it's absolutely a win because it's just one fewer game for them to have to worry about, you know, managing their minutes during and going through the whole ramp up and cool down process and everything else that puts miles on those legs that eventually will degrade progress in the postseason. So I'm not a great person to ask here just in terms of the money that people, and we should say the large amounts of money that people spend for themselves, for their families, whatever it may be, to go watch games of basketball. So you now live in, you used to be part of the Texas crew, but you're now living in California. So you're in an NBA city. So you'll have one opportunity, unless the Kings make it through to the NBA finals, one opportunity for the Bucks to be in town. Hey. The light the beam. Light the beam. The, yeah, the Kings might make it. Who knows? It's a crazy world out there. Could I tell you it. what, if that if, if that happens, 
then we know that things are probably coming to an end for all of us. But uh, let, let's. But th- but this is the point. So you get Giannis and friends in town once this regular season. I'm sure you know One when time. it is. I'm not 100 percent sure when it is. But but as just a purely a fan, and you want to see Giannis live because it's an unbelievable experience. Again, I'm not the best person to talk about it because first of all, I'm in Australia right now. I'm not going to see any of these games. But then secondly, I- I'm not paying to go. <laughs> So it it it's just I can't you know it's I'm not the right person to say. Absolutely. So so as a consumer, admittedly, it is a let, let's say that as far as like the average NBA fan, I'm more informed than most, just because I follow the league relatively closely. I follow my team borderline religiously. Like I know a lot more of the ins and outs than somebody who's just looking up tickets on StubHub sure. or SeatGeek or whatever the service is. And it's a big risk. It's a big risk as a, a home team that's welcoming the Bucks in to play that isn't Milwaukee because you're not guaranteed to see Giannis Antetokounmpo, who very well may be the best player alive right now. Um, a great friend of mine uh, who I worked with in Austin went down to San Francisco with his – or I'm sorry, San Antonio. Again, I got mixed up because I moved around so much. <laughs> went down to, to see the Spurs – Host the Bucks a couple weeks ago with his son. Oh my god! Yeah, and a couple couple days before, he's texting me like, "Hey, is Giannis supposed to play? Because he expects me to know." And I say, "Probably." Uh, what do I know? Um, but like Mike Budenholzer doesn't let me know what his yeah. lineup plans are. Uh, <laughs> if, if he was letting me know before he lets any of our friends in the media know, like that would be a much bigger issue, or maybe just an inside scoop for me. And so I told him. Probably, but I always had the caveat, like, there's always a chance that they don't play. And, of course, Giannis didn't play that game. And that was a game the Bucks actually, I think, lost against the Spurs earlier in the season. And so that's a big risk. And so in March, when Milwaukee comes to Sacramento, which is, you know, my hometown now that me and my family are living near, like, when I take my son, it's entirely possible that Giannis might not play or Chris Milton might not play or Drew Holiday might not play. Like, all these guys that me – and my kid and other Bucks fans that are in the area might want to go specifically to see them play. They might get disappointed. And like, th- there's no way around it. Like that kind of sucks for that one night where you set up everything for parking and for concessions and ticket costs and everything else that goes with it. Yeah. There's a risk. You're not going to see the players you want to play actually suit up and play. That's just what the league is now. I know that the league wanted to emphasize, you know, they want to emphasize if you're going to rest your guys, rest them at home where you have 40 plus games of opportunity for fans to see your guys play. Whereas when you visit another city, like don't rest your guy in that one visit to Sacramento or Portland or Memphis or Minneapolis or whatever the case might be. Um, So it's a risk, you know, it, I, when I was living in Texas and I was able to go to San Antonio to see the Bucks play the Spurs, like I had to see the honest in person. It was great. And last year when I went to the Golden One Center to see Sacramento host the Bucks and saw Giannis play in person, it was great. My kid lost his mind. I lost my mind. It was fantastic. <laughs> uh, I can hope that the same is going to happen in March. It might not. That's a ways away. We got you know three plus months to get there. So we'll see what happens. I can only hope. Yeah, I was watching this Lakers game and I, I tweeted it just 
you know, watching Giannis, and we see it every single night, but there was a few moments in that game where there was the block on LeBron or it was the Lopez block on AD that you know, ended with the Giannis dunk. And I was like, I really just need to get back over and see him play um, live because it's a crazy experience. And to your point, there would be a lot of home fans that would be sitting back and saying, hey, Mitchell, that's bullshit what you're saying there because we're the home fans. We want to see him play at home in front of you know, the people, people that obviously love seeing him play. And ultimately, in a perfect world, everyone plays 82 games. But we had a couple of people in the stream comments yesterday that were saying, well, they used to play 82 games, so what's changed? I think it's pretty obvious what's changed. Clearly, there is more research. There is more uh, knowledge of uh, how bodies react and, and managing the injuries and the understanding of what an 82-game season can do to the body with athletes of this size, with the travel, with all the the toll that goes through an NBA regular season. So I think it makes sense that they don't want these guys to play 82 uh, games in the regular season. It just means that what is the NBA going to do? Because it's going to continue to be a problem. And I think that the fans should be recognized as the league uh, is going through and doing the schedule and saying, yeah, we understand that it's all about money. But as you pointed to, we've got fans spending hundreds of dollars to see these guys play as well. And uh, they want to see the best players and they want to see Giannis play. And I, as we says, and as uh, Frank uh, mentions, you know, we're sickos here. So we're watching the Bucks and Hornets play with no Giannis, Drew and Chris, and we're still having a blast. And and I loved it and I enjoyed it. But the reality is that's just not the case for everyone. Those aren't the games they want to watch. No, it's not. It's it's unfortunate because every individual fan who has that opinion isn't wrong. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with wanting to see what you expect to see. It's all about expectations, right? Unfortunately, the reality is that the league operates at such a scale where they're concerned about ratings for you know TV agreements that they make between these different broadcasters that are worth billions of dollars in the long run that affect not just the bottom line for the league, but the bottom line for the owners bottom line for the players association which directly translates into the level of contracts that everybody who plays in the league is able to earn and so it's it's unfortunate that it's so easy to sacrifice a november game in san antonio (laughs) right or 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 a february game in detroit or whatever the case might be like the it's, it's easy to talk as members of you know the media that cover the team to, from a journalistic standpoint, to look at that game as, oh, it's a throwaway game. But yeah, the people that live in those areas that want to go see those teams, absolutely, they want to go out of their way to schedule the time to spend the money and to exert the effort to go see the team. And it is a massive disappointment to not get what they expect to see. There's not really any, there's no way around that for the league if they want to actually make those fans happy. The only solution that they have is to reduce the number of games and or extend the amount of rest that teams get in order to incentivize actually playing your guys every game. Like right now, I think Brooke Lopez is one of the few starters who's played every game for the Bucks so far. And I know the starting lineup has been in flux because Chris Middleton only just came back, you know, a couple days ago. And so it, everything is a little bit different than what we would otherwise expect it to be with normal circumstances. but. Brooke Lopez isn't the headliner that's driving ticket sales, that's that's driving attendance in the arenas, that's driving TV ratings. It's Giannis. It's always Giannis. He's going to be Giannis for as long as Giannis is Giannis. And uh, 
and if we're not going to actually change the infrastructure the league is built on, then fans are unfortunately going to be gambling with the money that they put down to actually get tickets. And that's, that's an unkind way of putting it, but that's kind of the way it feels. And generally, of course, it's a pretty good bet. You know, Giannis is, on a regular season of 82 games, he's probably going to play about what, between 65 and 70 of them, usually. Yeah. So, odds are pretty good. Bad gamble to take. But if you only get one shot, like you do in San Antonio or Sacramento or, you know, other Los Angeles teams or whatever, it's tough. It's a tough proposition. It is. Let us know what you feel or how you feel about this because I'm sure there's plenty of people listening or watching that have been in that scenario where they've turned up to the game or they found out a couple of hours before that all these players uh, aren't playing. And as we mentioned, that absolutely sucks. But you mentioned Brook Lopez. Let's get to the on-court stuff because, hey, you know what the flip side of this is? When you've got a player that is playing every single game, you have to have a conversation. Are they working too hard? Are we concerned about injury? So this is the world we live in, and we're going to talk about Brook Lopez a little bit next because he's been uh, sensational. But we'll talk about Turo, our sponsor of the podcast today. Turo is the world's largest car-sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, whenever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., U.K., Canada and Australia as well. Whether it's a spacious SUV, you need a minivan for a family road trip, Mitchell, or get a classic luxury car for a special event, birthday or holiday. It's all there at Turo. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to your door as well. Every trip is backed by liability insurance terms, conditions and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. Uh, also, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast uh, with Peter Bukowski. He'll be running through everything going on in the sports world. And there's one thing that you can rely on. is someone that doesn't know a whole lot about the NFL, the very definition of a casual NFL fan, Mitchell, the one thing you can take to the bank, the Packers are going to beat the Bears because they are an embarrassing franchise. And the Packers stink this year, but they were still able to handle the Bears. So I'm sure they'll be talking about that on the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Mitchell. Wait. Wait, did Packers did the Packers actually beat the Bears today? Of course. That's excellent. Oh, that's so good. So I, I remember checking Twitter earlier in the day. We had people over at the house, and so I wasn't really like active on social media for most of the day. I saw that the Green Bay was down like 10 points or something, mm. and I don't really follow football anymore, so I figured, oh, you know, whatever. Like you said, they kind of stink this year. Yeah. Uh, so I assumed, oh, they're going to lose to Chicago. That kind of really blows. I don't like Chicago having – anything pleasant sports-wise whatsoever. So finding out that they actually won that game, that's pretty great. That's pretty funny. Well, I hope they did anyway. I didn't make that up. No, I think they did. I think I saw enough uh, happiness on the timeline, which is normally a pretty good indicator when I wake up on Monday mornings over here. Uh, I tell you who else, uh, or I should say I tell you who isn't struggling, and that's Brook Lopez. He is having his best season since he came to Milwaukee, which is hard to believe because he's been a star ever since he got here, obviously last year. Very interrupted with injury with the back surgery. But here's some numbers. So as you pointed to, he's played all 22 games so far. The Bucks' number one defense in the league. He's a career-high 41.7% from three-point land. He's 15.3 points per game is his highest mark in Milwaukee and his highest since 2016-17. He's averaging three blocks per game, which is a career-high. But he's also averaging 31.1 minutes per game, which is pretty comfortably above where he's been at in Milwaukee and is his highest number since 2015, 16, 
So seven seasons ago. So he's playing more minutes right now than he has in the last seven seasons. As a 34-year-old coming off back surgery, you flagged this one, Mitchell. So the floor is yours. How do you feel about it? I don't know how exactly I feel about it. That's At good some podcasting. Point, that is good podcasting right there. Oh, yeah. I, I am drunk takes. We're after strong takes here. I am firmly <laughs> on the fence. Can't be swayed to either direction. Just steadfast <laughs> in the middle. So Brooke Lopez is, has earned his place as one of the favorites for Defensive Player of the Year, which is, in a word, preposterous. That after missing the vast majority of the regular season last year, that he comes back at his age, at his level of experience, and is leading the league's best defense by a long shot because he is shutting down the rim as often as he is in his 31 minutes a game. But at the same time, relying on somebody who's in their mid-30s to play that many minutes at that level with that much activity, because remember, we talked a lot about it earlier in the season, the Bucks have dialed back overall their off-ball help on defense, which means they're letting guys go at Brook more often. I know uh, our friend Eric name has, you know, something he refers to pretty regularly when he posts on Twitter. Like, why do you try book Lopez at the rim? You shouldn't do that. Don't try Brook Lopez at the rim. It's going to end poorly for you. But the additional frequency of attempts going against Brook and just the higher effort level that that requires to continually contest shots. Cause he's going to always contest shots when he's at the rim in the game. It just so happens that in the previous few years, it was like between low and mid twenties in terms of minutes per game. And now we're above 30 and he's playing in games that the big three aren't playing in. Like we saw the other day against Charlotte. And right now it's fantastic. Like he's able to block three, four, five, six, seven shots per game. That's great. Dude takes, you know, five or six threes and makes two or three of them per game. That's fantastic. And you're starting center who can also get you a bucket when he posts up or off of offensive rebounds. That's fantastic. That's great. What could, what could possibly be the wrong with that? What could be wrong with that is that the additional stress that he's getting now, he, he ends up paying the bill on later in the year, like in March or in April or in May. When, And again, I don't want this to happen. I very much hope this doesn't happen, but if he gets some sort of like a sprained ankle or a pulled calf muscle or something, you know, that, that it doesn't necessarily take just a week or two to clear up. Like, does that all of a sudden create a circumstance where the Bucks defense is a lot more tenuous because they relied so much on Brooke Lopez now that they didn't necessarily save the effort for when they really, truly need him. Because again, like we said at the outset, the Bucks don't need to go all out to win regular season games now. We've seen it already. We saw it last year, despite the Middleton injury. We saw it the year before when they won the championship. Like When they get into the playoffs and they just play a series against their set opponent, they have to beat that opponent and then whoever's next and whoever's next and whoever's next. And if they do that, they're the championship. If a key contributor isn't available, that job gets way, way harder. And we saw that last year with Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton wasn't available against the Celtics through no fault of his own whatsoever. He just simply wasn't available. And the Bucs couldn't get it done against Boston. Maybe they could have without Chris. I personally believe they definitely could have without with Chris in the lineup. But, you know, it was what it was. If Brooke Lopez is not in the lineup in those – playoff series games that we need him to be in the lineup for 
are the Bucks the kind of team that's able to withstand that kind of absence in the postseason? I don't know. Maybe they are. But do I want to find out? No, I would rather have Brooke for the postseason. Yeah, I don't think they can. I mean, I've been pretty strong on this. And, you know, all the teams near the top, whether it's the West or the East, I think if they lose a key player, it's going to be really difficult for them. I don't think the Bucs can win the title without Brook Lopez. I don't think they can win the title, as we saw last year, without Chris Milton and clearly it's a write-off if anything happened to Giannis. So this is why, and this all comes back to the the conversation we had at the start of this show. There is a balancing act for this team. They understand the importance of making sure everyone, or doing what they can, You stuff's going to happen, but do what, do what you can to manage the bodies. The one thing I would say is clearly... At this point, with how conservative the Bucks medical staff has been with all the injuries they've had, including Brooke Lopez last year, I think there has to be a fair level of trust that they don't feel they're not going to run Brooke Lopez into the ground uh, this early in the season. They're just not going sure. to do that. He has been somewhat of a of a warrior in terms of playing games in recent mm-hmm. years. Obviously, last year he had the back surgery, but before that, he played 81 games in 2018-19. And there were shortened seasons the next two, but he was in the high 60s and and even reached 70 there in a 72-game season. So historically, over the last six or seven years, if you take out last year, he's played the majority of games and stood up um, pretty well. But I would say yeah. that the Bucks medical staff at this point, yeah, I, I think we should feel comfortable that they're not going to run him into the ground. But I think we should also feel comfortable that on betonline.net, he is the leader. Uh, for the Defensive Player of the Year odds at uh, this point in time and head to betonline.net, which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer to esports. They've got it all at betonline.net. And uh, NFL, as as we mentioned, the Packers won today. If you were, I assume they would have been favorites against the, the Bears. I think it was in Chicago though. But anyway, there's MVP odds as well. Everything you need, futures, championship, uh, and everything else you need there at betonline.net. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. So one interesting aspect of this Brook Lopez stuff is is just the Giannis at five minutes. So we haven't really seen this at all this, uh, so far this season. And cleaning the glass has him at 6% of his minutes so far at the five this year. Uh, it was up over 30% last year. So you can see there the Bucks were scrambling last year with no Brook Lopez. They're trying to Marcus Cousin. They're trying Greg Munro. They're going through all these centers just trying to, to have anyone in there. And this comes back to the point with Brook Lopez that he's not replaceable. There is this idea and there was this ridiculous idea from you know, a section of the fan base over the offseason that was, oh, let's just get Brook Lopez replacement. Let's just replace him. Let's get Mo Bamba, all these guys. I'm sorry, it doesn't work like that. And if you don't understand the importance of Brook Lopez to this team by this point, I don't know how to help you. But having those small ball options with Giannis at the five is clearly a pretty important uh, trick to have up your sleeve. And Giannis can be effective in small doses. It's not something that is sustainable for four quarters. And I know there were some people calling for you know Giannis to play at the five in the game against the Lakers the other night. But uh, sometimes if you have a player like Anthony Davis, the way he was playing the other night, he had another 55 points tonight. It probably doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If he's shooting those jump shots the way that he was, people look at it as, well, Brook Lopez can be exposed against a player like that. But eh, I mean, to me, 
you know, if, he, if he's hitting those fadeaway jump shots to turn around, so you just tip your hat and say, okay, there's not much you can do about that. And I'm not sure that Giannis uh, at the five would have stopped that. Uh, but again, I think that, you know, Lopez being in the lineup has obviously changed the way the Bucs are able to use uh, Giannis this season as well, which I don't think is a bad thing because I think there is a physical toll with playing center uh, for Giannis in big doses through the regular season. No, absolutely. And you mentioned it when you were talking about Giannis at center lineups being something that the Bucs can deploy in small doses. That's absolutely the sort of strategy that should be employed for those lineups because it's a changeup. It's specifically something that you present to the other team that they're not expecting because the other team is expecting you to play Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, and Serge Ibaka at the nominal five mm. position. Even if Giannis is out there with any of them, those three players are going to be doing, you know, c- traditional center stuff, right? And if you put Giannis out there with, you know, three wings and a point guard and you have him be the nominal center, the only way that that really creates advantages for the team is if he's out there against other people that aren't necessarily well-suited for limiting him or getting in his way or stopping him. Not stopping him necessarily, because very few people can do that. Right. Right. But relatively speaking, of course, if you do that for more than five or six minutes in a game, and by a game, I mean a game that actually matters. Like I would even say that of the two games from this past weekend, that game against the Lakers matters a hell of a lot more than that game against the Hornets did. And part of that even is because, yeah, we played the Hornets with, and we rested people going into it. It was the second night of a back-to-back. So, of course, you don't necessarily expect there to be as much. But also, like, the level of competition. Like, the Lakers, who had struggled earlier in the year before finding their footing a little bit, like, the Lakers are a better team and a more uh, a more significant challenge than the Hornets are. And so, playing Giannis at center against teams like that, hmm. there's not really anything to be gained from that there's only something to be gained when the other team isn't explicitly planning for it and explicitly strategizing for how to stop it and the postseason teams are still going to plan for how to stop it but they're not going to have the reps to do so at least not early on and of course you know there's there's the strategy and then there's the counter and the counter to the counter and all of those different chess moves that happen over the course of a playoff series but in the regular season like no there's just there's no there's no call for it. There's no reason to try to ask Giannis to do any more than he already is, which is a lot. By the way, Giannis does a lot for this team. <laughs> Maybe don't ask him to do more. Be okay with the team not being your platonic ideal for what they could be with Brooke Lopez at the helm. For whoever out there is still holding out some sort of grudge against what he's doing, which is tremendous by any sort of objective measure. I am going to ask Giannis to play tomorrow against the Orlando Magic, or tonight, if you're listening to this podcast, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Uh, that will be a... Let me work out my days. That'll be a Monday night game in Orlando. And we buried the lead a little bit here, uh, Mitchell, because as I look at the injury report right now, uh, Brook Lopez is questionable. Uh, why do you think he's questionable? I mean, I couldn't tell you explicitly because, like I said, Mike Budenholzer doesn't trust me with the uh, injury status of any of the players on the roster. 
Brooke Lopez has played every game this year, and he's played over 30 minutes a game. Like, the guy is going to need a break at some point just to let his body recuperate. And if the team judges that they can afford to rest him against the Orlando Magic, who are still not a title contender at present time, like, that's a good time to do it. He's on the injury report for rest. Which at least, hey, first of all, I like the transparency. And secondly, I feel better about rest in his own bed, on his own couch, in Orlando, uh, than I do if it's at back soreness. So, hey, I'm here for Brooke Lopez having a rest. And you know what? I wouldn't even ask him to come to the arena. He can go hang out at Disney World. He doesn't need to come to the game, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the only thing, is that if he's actually resting, he needs to not get up at 6 to get to the park when it opens and stay all the way through for the fireworks at the end of it. Like, I've done that with my family, and it's it takes a toll on you. You feel it in your ankles, your knees, your lower <laughs> yeah. back, the whole thing. Like, I don't want Brooke to be doing that. Obviously, he has access to better accommodations than I ever did. Yes. But, uh, I mean, hey, that's just the way the world works. So, Brooke's been there enough. Take it easy. You know, don't don't overexert yourself. Just hit hit play the greatest hits and then be done with it. Marshawn Bochamp and Serge Ibaka out with uh, that non-COVID illness. I assume they just didn't travel with the team, but they've both been ill for a little while, which is a bit concerning. Joe Ingles obviously not playing. Grayson Allen is questionable with right plantar fascia soreness. That's a new one, I believe, but uh, we'll see there. And then Chris Milton is probable with re- return to competition uh, conditioning there, so he'll he'll probably play, as would the probable designation would suggest. But no Giannis and no Drew, so at least it looks like they're going to play in this game against the Magic. Uh, Bol Bol versus Giannis. Can't wait. It should be a bit of fun. And uh, like I said before, regardless of who's playing, uh, I'll be watching. And we will have a post-game pod, Mitchell. You can guarantee that. Uh, Frank moved over the weekend, or I think he was moving today. Uh, Shout out to Frank. Hopefully uh, there's been minimal arguments uh, among the family because there's nothing worse than moving, as you would attest. You're not wrong. And I hope that the move is going smoothly for all the Maddens. All right, we'll be back after the game against the Magic for a post-game show. Uh, as I've been saying, make sure you jump on YouTube because I assume at this point, if you're listening on the audio platform, you've already subscribed. But if you haven't tried YouTube, jump on, subscribe, get in the comments, let us know what you think about the discussion we had today about the responsibility of the league and the players for fans. Do you care? Do you just simply want the Bucks to get to the postseason in the best possible shape? Let us know what you think. Uh, and this was episode 1455, which I, I realized yesterday was... Uh, wow. Which is which is eight episode 801 for me since I took over about three or four seasons ago here. So we talk a lot and we'll be back tomorrow. And that's why you need to subscribe so you can catch us all then. The, the, there's too much to miss. And I'm telling you, as somebody who is not just a... You know, I'm not producer of content necessarily because I'm just here because Kane asked me to be here, which I'm very, very grateful for. But as a consumer of content, you really do get a different element from the YouTube portion of it than you do from the audio only version of it. Like, if if you're like me and you listen to podcasts because you want to be a part of the conversation, you get so much more from being able to tell body language on YouTube, which yeah. obviously doesn't translate to an audio only platform like podcasts. It really is worth the subscribe. It truly is. Damn. Let's leave it on that note. We'll catch you all tomorrow.